It's good to be here on a Wednesday night, amen? amen. With a mask, without a mask, <coughs> it's all good, we're together. And I thank the Lord for the privilege of that. We are in the third lesson of our series, Here Comes the Bride. The first thing we talked about was a betrothal, and then we talked about how the Lord woos, and then this week we're going to talk about the gifts that God has given to his bride. And so uh, we are going to entitle this betrothal gifts, and I believe the ushers have a handout. They do not have a handout. I don't know where the handout is. We had 90 copies, and Sister Caitlin, I may have left those at the house. I don't know. You can call your sister. Everybody say, praise the Lord. So, if you'll put up the scriptures that I have, Sister Tracy, until that handout gets here and it'll be coming as quickly as they can get to it. The Bible doesn't specifically say, and you are the bride of Christ. This is kind of like a revelation that came by degrees. Because in the beginning, did you know what Abraham was called? Anybody know? He was called the friend of God. And the Bible said that the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. And then he called Israel the seed of Abraham. And then heirs. And what was the promise? Canaan. And what was the sign? Circumcision. So there had to be proof that you had an agreement with an invisible God. So he gave them the visible evidence of circumcision. And since this wasn't supposed to be broadcast to all the nations around, it was very private. If you remember the Noah covenant, when the Lord said, I will never destroy the earth by water again, he made a proclamation, an invisible God, proclaimed to a visible man, and so God gave a visible sign. What was the visible sign that he wouldn't destroy the world by water again? He put a rainbow in the sky, and I saw one yesterday. Did anybody else see that while it was raining? There was a beautiful rainbow in the sky because the sun was shining, it was raining. So God always gives a visible token for an invisible promise. God gives a visible, it's visible. Everybody say, it's visible. it's visible. He does because he's a spirit. We're not, we're flesh. So all this time, Abraham's the friend. Moses is face to face. The Israelites are heirs of Abraham. Silence. We get to the New Testament, and this is what Jesus says. Matthew 9 and 15. Please put that up. Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast. Now there are two other references. Mark and Luke both say the same thing. And then in the book of John, John says, He that has the bride is the bridegroom. He that is the friend of the bridegroom rejoices. He doesn't have the bride, but he's a friend of the bridegroom. And of course, John was talking about John the Baptist. I'm the friend. I'm not the groom. Jesus referred to himself. There are three accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that Jesus referred to himself just kind of on the side by asking a question. Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom? That's the first time that he called himself a bridegroom. He didn't say, I am the bridegroom. He just referred. Now that's important because all the way through the Bible, it's almost as if we are piecing together hence here, hence there. Paul got the full picture. And he described it in Ephesians, and we'll go to that in a minute. But it's just been here a little, there a little. Israel, now you remember what we studied last week? I will take you into the wilderness. I will woo you. I will give you vineyards. You will sing to me. And you will call me what? 
Ishi, my husband. God introduced the idea of marriage to a people. And then Jesus referred to the bridegroom. Israel didn't have that concept. They didn't get it, folks. They just wanted to inherit land. They didn't get, okay? Now, I'm going to show you the New Testament moves in from the friend to a son. And then from a son to a bride. It's relational. And the position you take depends on your intimacy. Did you hear that? Long before a girl can be a bride or a boy can be a groom, they each have to be a son or a daughter. That's just the way it is. It's just that way. So you will see how important this is. And of course, we have a wedding coming up, and I'm hoping everybody is jumping ahead of me and thinking about what it means to be a bride. Since our lesson has been on Here Comes the Bride, and tonight's lesson is The Bride of Christ, and those pages are coming. So you'll have to pay attention. All right, now we know that he promised her vineyards. He said, you're going to sing to me. I'm going to sing to you. I'm going to betroth you to me in loving kindness, tender mercies, faithfulness. I'm going to do all this. What's the sign? That was in the Old Testament. So what's the sign? What's the ring? Where's the visible proof that God is going to do all of this? Individually. It's personal. Individually. So let's go to John the 4th chapter and the 10th verse. We're going to start with the gift. And that's what this section is. And you'll get your paper in a minute. The gift. Jesus answered and said unto her. This is before he was crucified. This is before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. If you knew the gift of God. Everybody say the gift of God. That means God's gift. God's got a gift. And who it is that says to me, says to thee, give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So gift and living water go together. Can you see that? Nod your little head so I can see that you see it's very plain that he uses, he hooks living water to gift of God. Then John 7 and 37 we're building a case for what's the ring? What is the betrothal gift to people that are moving in their relationship towards God? In that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Next verse. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. There we go, the reference again to living water. But this spake he of the what? What? The spirit which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Now we've got Three phrases that are synonymous. Gift of God, living water, spirit, actually four, Holy Ghost. All the same thing. You see that? Four phrases, four nouns, four expressions that mean exactly the same thing. John 14, 16, and then we're going to do 26. Jesus is saying his last words to his disciples, and he says, I will pray the Father. That's the relationship he had. Father, Son. What did I just say before you can be a groom? What do you have to be? A son. If you're not somebody's son, how'd you get here? So Jesus exercised sonship completely. Showed us how to do it. And then he was getting ready to step into another pair of shoes. I pray the Father, he shall give you another comforter. Well, another comforter? Well, Jesus must have been saying, I'm one kind of comforter. But when I pray to my dad, he's going to give you another kind of comforter that he may abide with you forever. Here's an insert. Who said, I will never leave nor forsake you? So, by just knowing the scriptures, we know that the comforter and Jesus have to be synonymous. Amen? You say, why is it important? Because we're building a case for the bride in the last days. 
Now we can all say God the Father and God the Father and Abba Father and God the Father. But in these last days, the last revelation is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is not just a son. He's getting ready to assume the role of groom, bridegroom. That's why all these scriptures link together. And I don't have time to link them for you, but we'll get that sheet to you and you can see it and you can study. But the comforter... What is the comforter? He said it. These are his words. The comforter which is what? The Holy Ghost. Who's going to send it? And it's coming in the name of Jesus. He will teach you. Bring all things to your remembrance. Whatever I've said to you. This is the magic ring. This is the betrothal. This is the evidence that you heard it. You've been proposed to. You're engaged. It's not just a, well, if I want it. I mean, if you're going to get engaged, I can't imagine anybody that doesn't want a signal or a sign or a token of it. All right? Now let's go to, um, let's stop right there for a minute. I want to read to you. I looked up what comforter means. Listen. Summoned. The comforter. Called to one's side. Now you know why he said he's going to send it in my name. Because when you holler, Jesus! The comforter's coming. I'm summonsing, not the physical body of Jesus. I'm summonsing the spirit of Jesus for what? It says, called to one's side. Called to one's aid. One who pleads another's case before a judge. Woo! When you start feeling judged, criticized, analyzed, torn down, there is a comforter that can start speaking as an advocate and giving you words to say against the voice that's trying to accuse you, prosecute you, and persecute you. Say, thank you, Jesus. A legal assistant... An advocate, one who pleads another's cause, an intercessor of the Holy Spirit destined to take the place of Christ with the apostles after the ascension to the Father to lead them to a deeper knowledge. You know what the Holy Ghost is for? To bring us into intimacy. So that we're not babes, we're moving by degrees into an intimacy. I know that there are child marriages in the world and they're perverted. I'm going to tell you right now, there is nothing acceptable about marrying a six-year-old. Do you hear me? I'm going to say it publicly. That is so offensive to me, I can't even begin to tell you. The Lord is not trying to marry. Before you can become a bride, you have to become a son or a daughter. And I'm going to show you the Holy Ghost leads you through degrees of intimacy. Some people stop right where they are because they're not willing to go any further. I can't judge what the result of that will be. I just know that God's not going to marry an infant. He, he is looking for a mature relationship. Now let's look at the, pro the, the expression. Now that's the gift. We've talked about the gift. Now let's find out what else the Lord refers to as the gift. Jesus used this expression, the promise of the Father. Now let me tell you why that's important. Because the Bible said that because of Jesus, we have access to all the promises that Abraham got. How many of you knew that? I know you know it because we talk about it in the Old Testament all the time. Whatever Abraham got, everybody's afraid I'll call him. Don't raise your hand. Don't make me have to start in Genesis and preach something you have already heard for 40 years. All the promises of Abraham in the Old Testament were literal promises. Israel is a literal place to explain an abstract concept. I am Israel. I have mountains, valleys, lions, scorpions, tigers, bears. Oh my. 
God used a people to march the length and the breadth of a place so that they would conquer their valleys, conquer their mountains, conquer their rivers, that God would be in every part of it. They would plant a flag at every place, in the desert, in the wilderness, that God was everywhere. You are Israel. You are an heir, but God is not promising you a corner in Newark. He is promising you a life well lived in this body. And then when you have practiced all of the structures and disciplines in your body, because the Bible said your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, so you cannot separate your betrothal. You can't say, I'm engaged, but I'm partying every weekend. I'm going to tell you right now that an engagement with a man or a woman who is partying and unfaithful every weekend is not going to result in a marriage unless it is simply a marriage of convenience or financial gain. I can't imagine anybody wanting to marry somebody they know has been having an affair with their best friend. Hello? So when God gives us types in the Old Testament, what he's saying is, I'm going to show you a literal place, a literal group of people, because I want to explain to you in terms you understand what I'm looking for. I want you to present your body as if you were an engaged human being. I want you to live in your flesh like you're engaged to me. I'm making you an invisible promise. If you believe it, then you will live according to your engagement. People who aren't engaged don't have to worry about anybody's opinion. Am I right? So God gave us gifts... He gave us the gift. Now I'm going to show you that the gift is the promise of the Father. Promise means a summons. Hello? An announcement. A gift graciously bestowed a divine pledge of good. Luke 24 and 49. And behold, this is Jesus talking, I send the promise of my Father. My dad has made me a promise to give something to you. This is my dad's promise. My dad promised this. Now Abraham got circumcision and he got Isaac. Well, we are going to have to have some parallel, some counterpart in the New Testament so that old and new match up. And he said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now I'm going to tell you that's the circumcision. But it's not circumcision in your flesh. It cuts your heart. Suddenly you feel things you never felt before. You feel conviction about things you say. What's happened? You've taken a cut. Deuteronomy, there are three scriptures that say, cut the foreskin of your heart. And not your flesh. Two in Deuteronomy and one in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31 and 3 says at 33. After those days my covenant with Israel will be. I will write my law where? The most sensitive place where you feel. So the token is going to bring with it a feeling. An experience. Just like when a girl gets a ring and her eyes light up. And she's, wow, I have the evidence of all those private conversations, of all that planning, of all those promises. I have the evidence of a future. How you know? I got a ring. There's a promise of a wedding attached to a ring. The promise of the Father. He said, you stay there till you get it. Acts 1, uh, let's see. Acts 1 and 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them. Jesus didn't suggest. He said, I'm commanding you. You've been my friends. I've been with you, but I will be in you. I'm giving you a token of my covenant. He said, wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard of me. And here come your sheets. 
Grab them quickly. Run. Just run with fire. Chariots of fire. Running through the congregation. Giving sheets. Let the church say amen. amen. Hallelujah. I was going to make you stand up for a minute. Just wave your arms around behind your masks. You know, just make sure you're not going to sleep on a Wednesday night. Hallelujah. Alright, he said, I told you there was a promise coming. Say, well, do I have to have the Holy Ghost? Are you kidding? Do I have to have a ring? Do I have to go through the, will you marry me? Are you actually kidding me? I know that Carter went through all kinds of planning to make his magic moment happen. I got to see the pictures of it. I got to see the shock on the face. It was shock and awe. It wasn't like bombs dropping, but it was like, <gasps> and it was just amazing, and it was wonderful, and I grinned, and all that day, I want to say, I don't believe she did, but part of me just feels like Sister Jessica went around like this. <laughs> you know, I remember the night I got mine, it was during camp meeting. I don't know if I ever praised the Lord with my left hand before. But the instant I got that ring, man, that hand just, mm. <laughs> Glory. It was like, twinkle, twinkle, little rock. Flash and make everyone talk. <laughs> and when they see the ring, you know, the next thing they say immediately, when's the happy date? When? You're engaged. When is the happy occasion? All right, we are at Acts 2.33. Are you there? Get to your sheet. Get to Acts 2.33 under the promise of the Father. And when you get there, say, Amen. Amen. All right. Acts 2.33 says, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted... And having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm going to tell a little personal story. My husband and I were students when we got married. In fact, our parents made us promise, promise to finish school. That's how they would allow us to get married. You both have to finish school. Okay, sure. <sighs> that meant that some days, because we only had one car, we, we went to school and spent 12 hours every day of the week because we didn't have the same schedule. But I don't think he had saved enough money maybe to buy his first car, but he was a student and I didn't have a job. I was a student. So you know where he got his ring? Want to guess? His mama said, I will give you my engagement ring. It was a beautiful stone. I'd never had a ring before, so he could have gotten me a bottle cap top, and I'd have probably been, ooh. But she had very good taste, and she had a beautiful engagement ring. And she said, here, son. She gave him a promise that she was going to give him what he needed to engage me. Did you get that? And I'm sure the father had to approve because actually it probably came from the father through the mother who gave it to the son. So we had the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost. That's exactly right. That's how I got engaged. Are you hearing me? He said, being highly exalted and having received from the father the promise of the what? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not just a if you want it. It's the ring. It's the betrothal promise. The Holy Ghost is the promise. And if you lose it, I'm going to tell you a couple of times. Pardon me? That pastor, you might as well say it out loud. Well, that's why Paul wrote in Ephesians, it's called the earnest or the earnest money, the down payment of our inheritance. The down payment. Which is why every time it comes on me, Brother Howard, I don't quench it because I need to be reminded of why I'm doing what I'm doing. 
of why I act like an engaged woman even though I'm married. Of why I shut my mouth when I'd rather let it roar. Of why I'm living in reverent fear. I'm engaged. And my Holy Ghost rises up on occasion and reminds me this is not so because my husband's a pastor or I'm going to get a gold star. I have a promise from my fiance that I am going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump and the dead in Christ are going to rise. Then we which are alive and remain are going to rise to meet him. I am waiting for his arrival. That's my ring. He said. This is the promise of the Holy Ghost. And he said, Jesus hath shed forth this. He said, Jesus sent the Holy Ghost. And I want to ask you something. Was it just an experience that you just feel? What did he say? Which you now what? You can see it. And what else? You can hear it. You say, well, how do you hear an engagement ring? Well, I tell you what I've been told. I've never done it before. But I understand if that diamond that man got me 42 years ago is real, I can take it right over here to this glass and I can do the and it's going to cut this glass. And I bet you that if I took that diamond and applied it to the glass, it would cut. For the word of God is sharp. And you can hear it and you will feel feel it because it is the evidence of Jesus Christ in you the hope of glory lift your hands right now it is the Holy Ghost say oh well I knew this 40 years ago girl you better find your engagement ring couple times I took my ring off after we were married and washed my hands in the bathroom in the student union just a young married woman and forgot that I left it sitting on a counter, went to my class and was sitting down, get ready to take notes and look down at my hand. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I, my face turned blood red. I hollered to my professor, excuse me, sir, I've got to go. I've left my ring. Nobody said a word because you don't play with something like that. That's a priceless gift. Not just the value of the ring itself, but the sentimentality. There's a link there between us. It's visible. Every time I look down, and there were a couple of times when guys got a little flirty with me. I know that's hard for you to believe. You think I'd have probably roared at them. But a couple times when I was in school, they got a little flirty. And I was glad I had that ring. I looked down that ring. I wouldn't do anything to disappoint that man. One time somebody got a little flirty with him and I took care of that. <laughs> it only took once. Hey, let me tell you right now. Oh, hey. Even to this very day, hello. Don't mess with mama. It's not wise. It's just not wise. And he grins because he knows you say, you two are in your 60s. It don't matter, honey. It don't matter. It ages nothing but a thing. When you love somebody, you fight for them. I'm just not going to let some simpering little old lady slip up. Excuse me, and I rounded the corner. She was draped all over his chair, ostensibly taking notes. I walked around that corner and I said, hello. I knew immediately what her motive was because when she saw me, she sat up, then she got up, then she moved away. And I was like, oh, girl. <laughs> Oh, sister, hi, I am Janice Showstrand. I am his wife. Who are you? Mm. People are ignorant. You think God gave us the Holy Ghost and fire so we could pussyfoot around and play on the fringes and the edges and play church because our mom and daddy raised us here and I got my name on a tree? I'm telling you something. I'm waiting for a wedding. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm sorry. Y'all got me all worked up here now just remembering things. He said you can see it. And you can hear it. 
I don't want a quiet experience. I wanted to tell everybody, I'm married. When I came out of the water nine years old, I'd never seen anybody be baptized like I was. I wasn't mimicking. I cried when I got the Holy Ghost. But when I came out of that water, I started leaping. Something hit me. I didn't plan. I didn't go, I'm going to leap. And I'm going to show everybody I got something. There was no doubt in anybody's mind that that little nine-year-old girl had a God encounter because I was set on fire of the Holy Ghost. Say, well, I don't want to do that. You're nuts. That's all I'm going to say to you. You are completely and totally nuts if you do not want to experience your betrothal. Our God is a consuming fire. You want to marry someone who's passive, who doesn't give a rip how you come and go, who doesn't care where you are or what you're doing. I'll guarantee you, he knows where I am 24-7. He's got that Life 360, he can track me. <laughs> My God. Acts 2.39 the promise. Why is it such a big deal? Because if you were a Jew, you already knew what the promises were. Now suddenly here comes a Jew who says, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. Capital T, capital P. The promise. The ring. And then Peter gets up and says, the promise is to you and your kids. And then he throws this in and lets a white, middle-aged, Gentile woman stand in 2020 and say the words again unto you and your children and to all that are far off. No Jew, no man, no priest, nothing but a pagan. All right, now I want you to look at Acts 5 and 32. We are his witnesses. They didn't sit there and chant and dream up something in their heads. They saw it and they heard it. We are his witnesses. And so is the Holy Ghost. Underline this right now. Some people wonder why they can't get the Holy Ghost. Well, I've, I've sought it for 15 years and I've never gotten it. Well, here you go. Whom God hath given to them that what? Say it again. Say it again. Obedience is a function of sonship. That's how you know somebody's a son. How well they obey. Parents don't give a rip for visions and promises. Parents don't give a rip for ideas and creativity. What parents want and need from their children till they're mature is obey me. Say amen. Because it's the truth. You, that's all you want. I don't need to share my heart with you. You're two. No, no. Pam. I don't need you to sing to me or talk to me or fiddle with this or that. I just want you to do what I say. And you can tell when a kid is growing up, when they only have to be told once, and then they hit a level of maturity when you don't have to tell them at all. They get it. There's no more fighting and rebelling and sneaking around and cussing and lying and cheating. They get it. I get it. I honor you. I obey you. It's like the military. When you stop fighting submission and you finally give in to it, then you can learn how to fire rockets and you can learn how to lead nations. You can learn how to operate a submachine and a submachine gun and a submarine. And they just might give you a briefcase with a button in it because they know your obedience has already been determined, discovered, and dispatched. You're trustworthy. How do you know? Because you obey. My God, 1 John 2.25 says, And this is the promise that he's promised us. 
Say, what do I get out of the Holy Ghost and letting it flow through me? Well, it'll keep you from losing your mind, first of all. Secondly, this is like Aladdin's lamp. It's old. It's ancient. It doesn't look pretty from the outside, but I'm going to guarantee you it has got the power to raise the dead to life. And the devil is coming by with shiny and new and fornication and adultery and you name it. He could care less what it takes to make you exchange that reel that you've got for something fake. And he's roaring. He's gone from snake in the garden to lion to dragon, folks. He is picking people off at will. And he is looking for every opportunity to get you to trade. The purpose of the Holy Ghost was for one thing. My God. Eternal life. Hadn't stopped me aging. My hair has gotten gray since I've been here. Thank you very much. Y'all have had an outstanding effect on me. Gravity is happening to me from my neck down. 16 years. I am not the 45-year-old I was. I'm a mother-in-law and a grandma. And the Holy Ghost hasn't stopped any of it. But I have an engagement ring and I'm not letting it go. I am promised. I'm promised. Now, on your sheet, find sonship. Put your finger on it and say amen. amen. Here we go. This is why he used the language of, I asked my dad. Because when you get the Holy Ghost, your first relationship is son. If you don't get son, you can't be bride. I'm going to say it again. If you do not pass through sonship, you can forget about being a bride. Forget about it. Say, well, I don't like to obey anybody. I'm sorry, baby. I'm just telling you what the Word says. Don't get mad at me. I'm telling you what it says, John 1 and 12. As many as received Him, to them gave He power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Sons. And sons are marked by one hallmark. They obey without question. They know their heirs. They got promises. They obey. Jesus obeyed to the letter and still suffered and died on the cross, but he's not coming back as son. Amen. He's already passed the sonship test. My sonship is individual. My brideship is corporate. I'm not going to explain that right now. John Acts 5 and 32. We are his witnesses. We already read that. And so is the Holy Ghost. Whom God has given to those who obey him. No obedience. I don't care how many times you shanana kalala falala. The devil can talk in tongues. Tongues is not the evidence. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. There is a seeing and a hearing. You bring forth fruit. You can see and hear the evidence of Jesus in those that are his. The revelation says they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered. How, don't raise your hand. I, everybody in here is suffering something. Please do not try to get rid of what you're suffering. It is a test of your sonship, and we're getting ready to move into a bride. That's why I'm preaching this word. I know you haven't heard a lot on the bride. And I know it's a new concept. I know people may not understand it. But Paul caught a glimpse of it in Ephesians, and we're to go there. I'm telling you in this last day God is perfecting a people for his name's sake because the trumpet's about to sound. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Romans 8 and 14 for as many as are led by the spirit of God they are the sons. Led, not driven, not intimidated, not deceived, not cuckolded, not begged, not pled with. Please, please do what's right, honey baby. Just do what mama says, please. Jesus gave the example of the father. He said, go work in my vineyard. I ain't doing it. And to the other son, he said, would you go work in my... Oh, yes. And the first one who said, I ain't doing it, felt bad, repented and went and worked. And the one that said, sure, I'll go, never went. And Jesus said, which one of the two did the will? I'm going to tell you right now, folks, if we're not doing what we're doing from the heart, it is time to make a 180 quickly. 
Say, God, I, I didn't realize how real this was. Galatians 4 and 6, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, the spirit of Jesus, into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. So I, he, I, keep, I call him Father. Daddy, help me. Daddy, give me strength. Daddy, encourage me. Now I want you to go to seal. This is also our seal. I looked it up. What's a seal? To set a seal upon, to mark, and to seal. So you mark it, you stamp it, and then you shut it. Number one, why? For security from Satan. Number two, in order to mark someone. Do you know what the world sees when they look at us? Fuddy-duddy. I want to say right now, thank you very much. Thank you. I hope you see the image of Jesus on these plain Jane fe features. Not the image of an idol. Not the image of an image that people admire and worship. Jesus on the inside. He said, I, they need to be seeing me in you. In order to prove, confirm, or attest to a thing. To confirm, authenticate, to place beyond doubt. To prove one's testimony to a person that he is what he professes to be. Now. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. Now he which established you us with you in Christ and anointed us is God. God did this. I didn't know what to say. I, I didn't, nobody was telling me, say, now say, shalala, now say, kanana. Now put them together, shalala, kanana. Oh, you have the Holy Ghost. I was bawling till my nose was running and something came over me and I, I just, I just let it go and it, and I just forgot myself and I didn't care that my nose was running. I think somebody wiped my nose for me. I, I was just gone. I was lost. I didn't care. Could God engage and patrol the nine year old? Yes. I didn't understand everything, but in the fullness of time, I grew up and I realized what proposition he made to me. I've had to renew it several times. And this was the scripture that pastor quoted. 2 Corinthians 1 and 22 on your sheet. Who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the spirit in our hearts. The earnest means the down payment. Ephesians 1 and 13. In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. In whom also after you believed. You had to believe it. Because if you don't believe it, you're certainly not going to seek it. You're not going to ask for it. And therefore, you will not receive it. If you don't believe there is a betrothal promise. If you don't believe there's a heaven, a hell, eternal life, and a rapture. You will never ask. You will never come to an altar. Never bow your knee. Never cry out. Never repent. And once you get it, you'll never stir it up. Because you'll say, I ticked that box off. That's like saying, because I have a certificate and I have a wedding dress. We have an awesome marriage. We're just in the betrothal process, folks. We haven't been married yet. He said, you're going to marry me. I'm going to marry you. I promise you. I promise you I'm going to marry you. Now, Paul said this is a great mystery. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, he said, A man leaves his mother and father to cleave to his wife, and they become one. And I don't know if it's here. I meant to put a scripture down here that says... He that is one with God is one in the spirit. I can't be in the flesh. There's no flesh Jesus here. But Jesus' prayer was, I'm praying that y'all all get in oneness. That the bickering, the fighting, the cussing, the carrying on, the malice, the backsliding, the slipshod, the messing around. He said, I want you to get in oneness. I want you to get in unity. Click. Why? Because you're becoming one with me and I'm going to marry you. I'm betrothed to you right now. I'm as close to you as I can get. I've given you the Holy Ghost, but there is much more than the Holy Ghost. And I want you to have it. Here comes the bride. Now I want you to, and I want you to look here. After you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, Ephesians 4 and 30 says, Don't grieve him. Don't hurt him. Well, the pastor didn't preach against it so I can do X, Y, Z. You, you're not marrying him. 
His opinion doesn't matter. He can guide you, and I'm getting ready to show you where he comes in. But I'm telling you right now, if you're a person who loves to please and you are looking for this man to give you a gold star, you want somebody to tell you you're doing great, honey, just do what I say and you'll go to heaven. You missed the point. He said, I came into your heart because I want you to listen to me. I want to convict you when you've never heard anything against it. I want you to please me. He said, you're sealed by that spirit to the day of redemption and now here we are gifts. The ring is different than the gifts. My husband kept giving me gifts. You want to know one of the first presents he got me after we got engaged? He got me a puppy. He did. She was as round as she was tall, cold black, and her eyes were as black as her fur. I could, you could never tell which end was which until you see those little black eyes shining like marbles. She was so cute. And I would send a ping pong ball. She was teeny tiny. I'd send a ping pong ball across the floor just to watch her run for it. <laughs> she rolled as many times as that ball did. Now why would he get me a present like that? Do you see my face at just the memory? It delighted him to see my expressions. I can't tell you how many times he'd show up my door with flowers. Oh, thank you. That's wonderful. Or how many beautiful meals he took me to. Or how many pretty cards. And Oh my word. Engaged. Not married yet. Just gifts. Now God has done the same thing. There's a scripture in Psalm 68, and Paul repeats it in Ephesians 4, 8. Wherefore, when he ascended, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. These are his gifts to us to help us get ready. Jessica's going to have a crew of girls in there on Saturday. And they're going to help her get her dress on. They're going to check her hair. They're going to look at her from every angle. They're going to make sure every... And it's going to be their joy to do it. But they're not getting married. She is. Now God has taken men and women amongst us to serve until we all come to fullness. You say, well, are they part of the bride as well? Yes, of course. But I want you to look at Romans 12, 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, 1 Corinthians 12, 28 through 30. These all mirror each other. These are gifts. Prophecy. That's to tell you where you are so you don't give up in the middle of a trial. Like, oh God, I'm in a valley. I'll never come through it. And there will be a prophet get up and say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, though I walk through. Hallelujah. I'll fear no evil. Thou art with me. That's a prophetic word telling you you're here. Hang on and keep walking. You're going to be there. Serving. There are people who are extraordinary in serving. That is a gift from God to us, through us. Teaching. Breaking it down so that you leave and go, Oh, that's what that means. Instead of, man, I can't wait to get out of here. Didn't understand one in ten words, they said. Exhortation. Come on, get up. Worship, magnify, praise. Why? So you don't sit down in depression and discouragement because of your foot, your ankle, your leg, your brain, your head, your toes, your money, your circumstances. Because you have a promise. That's why we stir up the Holy Ghost in church. Because once the Holy Ghost gets moving, people go, Woo, I remember, I forgot for a minute how good this feels. And this is just a little down payment of what's coming. Or would you rather talk about COVID? Or would you rather talk about the Dow? Or would you rather talk about who's our most common enemy? Or would you rather talk about people spray painting slogans and tearing down statues and people killing one another? I'm going to tell you what. I want to stir up the promise. He said, not only that, but I've given you extraordinary examples of giving and leadership and mercy. And that's all in Romans 12, 6 through 8. But wait, wait, there's more. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, he said, I can't wait till you bring in an evangelist. I can't send you to Africa, but I will raise up people in your own congregation. 
And if need be, I'll take that man right there and I'll say, time to put on your prophet shoes. Take off your pastor shoes. And he puts on and becomes a prophet and prophesies. Okay, now I need you to put on your teaching shoe. I need you to, you say, well, there, one person and one person only could do this. Lie. He said, I've given you the word of wisdom. This is a gift. To make you wise without having to live a hellish life. I can give you wisdom. I can give you a word of knowledge. I the Holy Ghost can quicken you to say the right thing at the right time. And turn somebody from doing something totally stupid. I can give you faith. I can give you gifts of healings. And miracles and prophecy. And I can show you how to discern between spirits. If you lose the Holy Ghost, let me tell you what, all them gifts go. Well, I could never misplace the Holy Ghost, really? Well, I took my ring off. I'm going to tell you, folks. Paul said, how are we going to escape if we neglect the salvation? If we neglect the ring, the ring of power... And we go, oh, I don't need that anymore. I'm going to tell you, you're going to go back to your old self, not me. I want more. God, give me more. He said, I'll give you the ability to not only speak different tongues, but to interpret them. And then 1 Corinthians 12, 28 through 30 also says, there will be the apostle, a prophet, a teacher, miracles, healings, helps, administration, and tongues. Those are spiritual and inspirational gifts that God has given us. Ephesians summarizes it because he says these are relational gifts. Now listen to me, church. An apostle does one thing. Gives commands. Go. Run. Sit. Stand. Don't. Stop. Do. Quick. Sharp. Short. Immediate obedience and response. That's a military situation. If you need to be reasoned with when we're in the middle of a fight, I am so sorry. You're going to get killed. When it's time to move and the Holy Ghost moves and we get a word, move! You don't go, now was that to me? Do I need to do that? But if you've been practicing obedience all along, when it's time to move for the safety and security of your own life, you don't have to be reasoned with. You already did it. Apostles require obedience. Prophets require hearing. Apostolic words are commandment words. If you are offended at commandments, then you never resolved the rebellion of being a son. Because rebellion is bound up in the heart of a what? A child. Implying a child. He said, prophets tell you where you are and where you're going. An evangelist will give you an infusion of enthusiasm to remind you to Lift up your hands. Straighten your knees. Don't drag around and don't be sad. There's good news. That's what an evangelist does. Brings you good news. Those are words to you. To convince you to come down off your depression. To get up off the floor. To stop crying in despair. Because you got a ring. And it translates itself into whatever you need at whatever time. When we're in trouble, we get an apostolic sovereign move of God that drops people to the floor and produces reverence. When Ananias and Sapphira came in and tried to lie to the Holy Ghost, the apostles went bam and they went slam and it was over. And great fear fell on the church because the Lord confirmed his apostolic word when Peter said, why did you decide to lie to the Holy Ghost? You didn't lie to me, you lied to God dead say are you praying for death in the church absolutely not but I am telling you we have to be able to respond to all of it not just some of it like a buffet why do I have to have an apostolic word quit yelling at me why do I have to have a prophet why do I need an evangelist why do I need a pastor to go um, where are you and what are you doing that's my business I'm telling you right now that sounds like a rebellious child you're not ready to be married if you're arguing with the people who are trying to straighten your dress and get your veil right and make sure you're clean and pure and holy somebody lift your hands right now my God in heaven he He's trying to get us ready for a wedding. Oh, Lord God. Now, verse 12 through 16, and this is it. Underline it on your sheet and you go home and study it because I have one more week with you and this is it. Next week is our last lesson on Here Comes the Bride. 
This is it. He said, why are you subjecting us to the ministry of Keith and Janice Showstrand and Bishop and Sister Joe Strand? Why did you put these people in our lives for the last 16 years? Well, because they couldn't get anybody else to come. Do you really think that? Do you think that the Lord pulled us and that 147 of y'all, 144 out of 147 voted for us because you couldn't find anybody else? We were sent here to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. This is not a game, folks. It's real. <laughs> For the perfecting of saints. Not to get up in your business. But to go, wait a minute, you got a smudge right there. We're your servants. Dear God in heaven, we're your attendants. I don't think that's a wise decision. Think, did you ask before you did that? Well, I'm a grown adult. I can, but can you prepare yourself? I don't think until we have resolved the rebellion of sons, we are not ready to say, Your Majesty, I am equal. I am ready to be your bride. I am ready to submit completely, totally, and wholly. If we cannot submit here and here, what makes us think we're ready for this? Put your hand on your heart and say, Help me. For the work of the ministry, he said, I'm putting some bottles of water out there. Pastor didn't say if those bottles don't disappear in so many days. He didn't give you a nothing. He just said, there's some water out there. If you want to give a cup of water in the name of Jesus. Well, now, why did he do that? You're about to be a bride. Come on. I can remember times JJ would say, Jan, you need to... Oh, okay. I'm teaching you to be a wife. I'm teaching you. Oh, 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 okay. Okay. Well, for the work of the ministry. We have ministries around here so you can show that you get it. Not so you can get a star or so you can go, you're awesome. So the Lord can say, faithful. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're faithful, faithful. They're moving through sonship. They're getting ready, they're getting ready. They're getting ready. They're not fighting anymore. They're getting ready. They're, they're in agreement. That's awesome. Whoosh. My bride, she's, wow. <clears throat> For the edifying of the body of Christ. Well, if I went to so-and-so church, I could love those people more. If you can't love the one you're with, you wouldn't love the one you want to be with. Say, help me. To the unity of the faith so that you don't give your opinion on every subject and said you tell me tell me what to think about it pastor tell me how to feel show me the word of God instead of me trying to make God agree with me I'm going to get in agreement with him I'm going to get with him what does the Bible say I believe what it says Oh, change my mind on this and this and this and this. I got to know the Son of God into a perfect man. Why are all those ministries and gifts and callings and blah, 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 blah. Is God trying to drive me nuts as the pastor in my business? No! Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, but speaking the truth in love. I jumped down there, Sister Tracy. They grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and measure of every part maketh. Let me put it to you like this. I am not the woman he married 42 years ago. I have been shaped in his image. What you see is not a product of my opinion. What you see is a product of what that man wants. Do you hear me? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Oh, Father God, I have faithfully delivered every word you gave to me as the best I could. This is your bride-to-be. Oh, God, that reality has got to hit us. That reality has got to resonate in us and through us or we will miss the opportunities we have to practice what we have learned and heard. Jesus, we know, Jessica... Post is getting married Saturday. Preparations have been made all over the church. Announcements have been sent. Directions have been given. We've even been told what to wear 
and how far to stand. Oh God, it's happening. It's happening right in front of my eyes. The bride has been given direction. The groom and the bride are together and they're going, if you're coming to our wedding, you need to do this, 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 and this for your safety. Preparations have been made in gifts. I saw gifts. The bride and the groom have gifts for people who attend their wedding. I don't know how much more clear you could make it that you are trying to make a people ready. God, I so much want to be in that bride. The next week is when we actually talk about preparations. Could ask Jessica and Carter what they've been doing for months. They've been preparing a marriage supper for their attendants. They can't invite everybody. But they have gifts for those who just pass by the bride and the groom. Speak to us on a Wednesday night. There is a God.